0: Hey, this is Karis Ryan and welcome back or welcome to the Teach Me in 20 podcast where you learn something new each week and this week the topic is BDSM. We're chatting with Club Freak owner here in Perth and a well-known figure in the BDSM scene, OTK Daddy. He runs workshops to really educate people better and the chat sort of came about because I've You know, we've all seen sort of fetishes or kinks in the movies. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey has recently become super popular. Um, But I heard about this from a friend who's involved and it just made me curious. I wanted to find out more. So, you know, kink life, fetish life, it's happening in our world. People are into this and, you know, you can turn a blind eye or you can be like me and just ask more questions and want to know more. Um, So that's what this chat is all about. You may have preconceived ideas of what you think people who are into this, what it's like or what the people who are into this are like. This chat blows that out of the water completely. I initially just wanted to know a bit about it and, you know, how many people are involved in this around in my city and what I ended up taking away was a whole different viewpoint of not just BDSM but kink and fetish life. Most importantly, it was the mental journey that these people are going on. It's not just the physical act, it's the psychological, mental aspect that can play a toll and the topic of consent, which is huge and it lays a foundation for a lot of the rules. Yes, rules. It's not just about, you know, role play and having a bit of fun. It, they're really serious about having rules in place to protect all parties which really I was super surprised at, blew me away. So I hope you enjoy the chat, take something away from it. Just a heads up, we're chatting about sex and quite often there's times where we talk about a physical dominating aspect of sex. So there's adult themes, there's swearing in this chat. It is rated explicit. If it sounds a bit too much for you right now, maybe just turn off and I'll catch you next week. If not, I hope you really enjoy it and take something away from it and it maybe changes your idea of what BDSM or of someone who is involved in the kink fit life, which it's probably more than you realise, um, and the people that you least expect, trust me, um, (laughs) if you do like the episode, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Teach Me in 20 podcast Facebook group. It's an interactive group where we get to chat about episodes. So if you have got a question for OTK Daddy, put it in the episode and he can answer it. Don't be shy. He's super lovely and we can chat more then. Let's get to it. Teach Me in 20.
1: Teach Me in 20.
0: Welcome on.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Good to have you on board. As as we've spoken previously, but just opening up everyone's eyes that there isn't a whole other world out there, but sort of breaking down stereotypes. How does the name OTK Daddy come about?
1: You know, I get asked that quite a bit. Uh, I think for, it stands for over the knee.
0: Okay. okay. So it's
1: like a spanking style. Okay. So over the knee is kind of like a, when you've, Grab your partner and lay them across your lap and pull down the pants and give them a spank on the bum. Okay, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of kinky, a little bit camp as well. Yeah. Um, so it's just like OTK, just like when you're buying long socks, yeah, there's yeah. like over the knee socks. Yeah. Yeah. So they're OTK. They are OTK. So similar socks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it ends up in the same place for me, but you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm like okay, so that's a cool thing. Uh, and then Daddy is just because I identify as a Daddy. So
0: okay. Yeah. Is everyone given their own – or does everyone have their own name that they go by?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Um, so we call it a FET name because it, I guess it came about from uh, a website called FETlife.com okay. and that's where everybody kind of socialises and hangs out. Is
0: that like fetish
1: Yeah, yep, so, yep. Yeah. So for fetish lifestyle lifestyles, it's kind of yep. like a social network. And it was – it's a hangover from the old bulletin board days. You use a pseudonym because – you know, there is an element of privacy. If you want to go exploring some fairly out there things in, a, in an area that where it's safe to do so, uh, if you have a public life or like a professional life that you want to keep separate, then definitely yes. a good idea to use some other name.
0: I can <laughs> definitely relate. Even thank you so much for coming on because yeah. a lot of people were obviously they're professionals. Mm-hmm. They want to keep things private, which mm-hmm. I totally understand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But how did you get into the BDSM world? How did you start your journey off?
1: So, one of the things that I like to tell people is that uh, I think I was just naturally drawn to this kind of stuff when I was in my teenage years. Okay. But I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. So, I had some pretty interesting uh, sexual encounters with partners that were more adventurous than others.
0: Were they older than you or...? Uh, Same
1: age? Mostly the same age. Okay. So you're
0: just both exploring and...
1: Yeah. 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 I was also watching a lot of horror movies at the time and horror movies in the 90s were pretty much, you know, the young girl getting chased in the woods by some sort of evil villain. So I decided to act that out with my partner and picked her up after work, drove to a secluded spot and uh, reached under the seat for the kitchen knife looked at her Shit. real dead in the eye and said strip and she's like "Why? you're crazy what the fuck yeah so she's all like okay cool so she did and then i'm chasing her in the car park and chasing around the trees and she's squealing and howling and i'm like i'm gonna catch you i'm gonna cut you and she's all like woo so anyway so that made for a lot of fun we had a and great you guys time right? together oh, okay. <laughs> do you know what i mean so it was kind of like you know i chased her against the tree and we were like making out and stuff and afterwards she looked at me she goes Man, there's something wrong with you. You know, like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Like, where did that come from?
0: How did you take that, though, being, like, told something's wrong with you?
1: Well, so later, I felt really bad.
0: Really? Yeah, because
1: this is what we call – I'll talk about this a bit later on, but this thing called top drop, okay? So the further out into the fantasy and into the other mind space that you go to, you also have to come back. And on the way back, you can tend to face those things that you weren't really conscious of on your way out. On your way out, it's great. You know, you're in the zone. But coming back, you're like, what kind of a monster am I? What kind of – there's something wrong with me that I want these things and I like these things.
0: Okay. But she obviously was for it as well she oh, took totally. part in it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it kind of was like an early seed, you know. Yeah. And then uh, a fair while later, I was living in L.A. and I, uh, I had a, a toxic relationship. We've all had those. I had a whole string of them. Okay. Um because my relations were based on intensity, right? Not intimacy. And I didn't know the difference. So anyway, so I ended up dating this one girl and she used to be a submissive and she used to go to this fetish club in LA and she would tell me the stories about how she'd go to the back room and there were people in there getting whipped and flogged and they could get spanked. And I was like, dang, this sounds amazing. I want to go to that club, you know? And it had closed at that point. But like, which damn was, it. yeah, I know. Which was like, damn it! I was really, spe- really spewing. But every time I would ask her about this stuff, right, um, she would use it as like a leverage to be to somehow undermine my interest or my enthusiasm or something. I, I found it really difficult to manage. And in the end, I got so interested and so worked up to a point where I was like, I have to find out. Like, there's obviously stuff going on for me here that I need answers to. Hmm. So there was a dungeon uh, in North Hollywood, and they were having an open day, right? Now, uh, I plucked up all of my courage, and on a Saturday, I went down to this place, which was nothing but a couple of big steel doors, and rapped on the door, said, let me in, (laughs) you know? And I had no idea what the heck to expect. You know, I thought, uh, literally, demons live here. You know, this is the monster's cave, and I turned up to Yeah. And uh, the door opened and a six foot four big black guy opened the door, looked down at me and said, yes. And I'm like, I'm here for the open day. (laughs) (laughs) And and he turns around and he goes, I'm Master Kane. Come on in and I'll show you around. And it was the best experience I ever had. He was the most welcoming and warm hearted person that I'd met. It was completely the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. So the place was basically a house and...
0: Someone's residence.
1: It was, yeah, it was a residence at one point, but now it was a a dedicated dungeon. But it was a community dungeon, so it's kind of like a, like a community house. Like a, um, it, you couldn't go there and ask for a session to see a mistress or anything like that. There's no professional services. Mm-hmm. But it was permanently set up as a dungeon full-time, uh, and they would run workshops during the week and have social nights, and, you know, it's like a community dungeon, yeah? So on this day, they were having uh, classes and, and workshops, and there was people there that I could meet. So he introduced me to an elderly couple, in the back and said you know this is otk he's having some issues with someone he's seeing he doesn't understand any of this stuff can you guys show him the ropes so i spent four hours literally tying up people in the back of this dungeon like literally being shown the ropes and they sort of answered all my questions and kind of put things in perspective for me so when i would just say to them hey listen this is what i'm going through they were able to say really quickly look that's completely wrong like first of all where's your consent did you agree to have that kind of a dynamic right and i was like what do you mean agree and they were like, yeah, you actually have to choose to be a part of what's going on here. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's a new concept for me. Mm. What do you mean I don't just fall in love with somebody and have some kind of crazy erotic relationship and it turns into some psycho thing? And they were like, you're not without consent. <laughs> 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 like, if, if you, unless you have a, a informed consent, that's abuse. So dominance without consent is abuse, period. There is no, no grey line there. There is no shades of grey around that, right? Yeah. Uh, and that kind of set me off on my journey. It was the first time when I'd actually heard that word, consent. And um, without it being some sort of a wishy-washy, ethereal thing, it was like, no, this is a practical thing that you need to do. This is actually what you need to exercise. You need to have. You need to be informed. You need to be able to give consent. And it has to be there at all times. Uh, and that's kind of where one of the mottos that we have for Club Freak is safe, sane and consensual. So... It's called a modality, right? So, what it means is that underlying the principles of Club Freak is that every action has to be safe for all players. There has to be sane. In other words, you need to check that you have got um, your mental boundaries in place. Okay. Uh, if anyone brings out a chainsaw, it's probably not a sane activity. Okay. Have um, you seen that? Uh, I've seen some Jesus. pretty wild stuff. And I'm like, did everybody check in? And they're all like, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, safe, staying, and, and then consensual. Yeah.
0: So when you say consent, do you mean for both the sub and the dom? Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Because you, my first thought was only the sub would really, because they're the one that is getting stuff done to them,
1: mm. right? Mm. But you're
0: sort of saying the dom also. Is that because of the mental side of it?
1: Totally. Right. Yeah. And also the safety aspect as well. So one of the things that we say, or... So it's kind of like a running joke is like we talk about hard limits and soft limits, okay? So part of negotiating what you'd like to you know, experience with somebody is you know where do we stop? You know? So we have these two things called hard limits and then soft limits. So a soft limit might be something that makes you kind of like um, wary about trying it. You're not sure about it. It might give you butterflies in the stomach. You're thinking, eh, it's not for me, but maybe secretly it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's like a soft limit. And you put trust into the dominant that they could guide you there.
0: What's an in example the right head of scene? that?
1: So for a lot of people, that would be late like anal sex. Okay. So that's a fairly common one. Um, another one might be um, choking or yep. breath play. Um, spanking can be a real no-no for people, uh, but it might be good in the right sort of setting. Um, but a hard limit, uh, when we do the workshop, my mother's like, all right, everybody give me an example of a hard limit. And they're like, oh, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, so you're all down for broken arms. Like, can I break your arm? Because I'm a sadist. I'm gonna, I will break every bone in your body if you don't stop me. And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, oh, yeah, chainsaws? Heck yeah, i got a meat cleaver in the back. here." <laughs> so a hard limit is like you need to know what that hard limit is. So when we're talking about that kind of stuff, it's like, so safety is there for both parties because if you're playing with someone, let's say I'm in the dominant role and I'm playing with a submissive and they haven't set a hard limit, where do I stop? Mm. And then mentally, how do I manage that when I come back? Yeah. Because the responsibility for that is on me because I adopted that responsibility in the role. So when I come out of that scene with that person um, and they're bleeding, for example, um, you have to process that. That has to have been okay. There had to have been consent there. That
0: Mm. must be hard to... Like for beginners as well, Mm. just Mm. crossing over those, yeah, boundaries. Mm. Can you flip between a dom and a sub, or are you always yeah. a dom? Or you always? Okay.
1: Oh, for me personally.
0: Well, just everyone. Everyone, like, yeah, you totally. You can change it up.
1: Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. There are there are even people that um, identify as switch, so for them having both is almost necessary. Okay. So the play between two people, uh, particularly if you have two switches, that can be interesting <laughs> because it's like who's stopping who. It's like, and then you get like mixed role play. So it's like, all right, so tonight. I'm going to be the burglar, and I'm going to break in the house, and then I'm going to capture you. I'll tie you up, and then I'll like interrogate you, ransack the house, and while I'm busy ransacking the house, you get out of the you get out of the ropes, and then you come find me, overpower me, and then tie me up, and then you have your way with me. Yeah, that'd Jesus. be great. <laughs> <laughs> this would be amazing, you know. And it's like my sex ah. life
0: looks so vanilla, right? Now.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, everybody starts somewhere, you know. It's like.
0: It, so it sounds like it is a very community-based. Like you mm. were saying you were shit-scared mm. in LA mm. and they've welcomed you in with open arms. Mm. Is that sort of the feel worldwide? So like people in Perth, you're like, guys, we're all here to help each other.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. So when I, when I got back to Perth and um, was thinking about doing Club free, there was no community dungeon. So people's only real option was try and figure it out yourself. Um,
0: Which Has that got bad consequences? Have you seen in the past with people, it doesn't end well?
1: uh, It tends to end badly for those that don't learn a language for it. If they can't communicate about it, get consent, set boundaries, then we tend to see the fallout of that come into the scene because what will happen is a lot of the time, I don't want to make broad generalisations, but a lot of the time we see people that have been drawn towards uh, intensity dynamics that have turned toxic because the draw to the power exchange is there, but the limits, the safeties and the consent are gone or they just didn't get put in place. So that can tend to be quite damaging Yeah. and you can see some of that come through when with new people when they come through and they're full of questions. They want to know what happened, how did that go wrong? And then when they start to learn, oh, consent, boundaries, rules, limitations then they can reframe their previous relationships and you can see them. They literally unpack it. It's just like, that's exactly what was going on. Mm. So, yeah, if if you don't know, you are taking your chances. doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to go bad, but,
0: yeah. Because what spiked my interest in this was I have a friend who's a sub mm. and she was telling me that she's in a contract with a dom. Oh, yeah. And... I had to go through an interview process mm-hmm. and got accepted. So it's like a whole job, yes. thing, interview. <laughs> is that normal?
1: Uh, it's, it's not exactly normal, but it is one of the ideals for okay. sure, yes.
0: And then we'd just get a message, wear this, meet you here, and yep. then the scene would play out.
1: Fantastic.
0: So, yeah, I was like, okay, there's a whole other world going on here that mm. I have no idea about. Mm. So I wanted to ask, is the scene build up? Is that where the main highlight is mm. or over then, just the sex? So, is it the playing out? Mm. Is it, is that the highlight or is mm. it the actual sex component?
1: So, let me see if I can put this. What we're really looking for is a journey. We're looking for a, kind of like a suspended reality space. Okay. So, the anticipation is critical. Okay. Right? Setting the scene is critical. Negotiation... And then inside the play itself, all of that lead up leads to a really intense uh, scene itself, right? Mm-hmm. And then aftercare after that is obviously also incredibly important. But, yeah, if you don't, if you don't set the stage properly beforehand, uh, it can also be fun, but it can also just tend to be a couple of kids chasing each other around with sticks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> are,
0: you, are you climaxing before you even having sex because of the intensity of the scenes?
1: Uh, no. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, for me, it's not really about sex, and that's going to probably sound a little weird. Um, for me, it's about power. So whatever it takes to get that feeling is what I'm after. So sex for me, inside that space, then becomes something that I can use either as a weapon to increase my dominance, or it can be uh, used for objectification to put that person into a much deeper headspace. Uh, or it can be extremely intimate if we want to bring them closer so it can build a stronger bond. Mm-hmm. Um, it has many, many, many more uses than just the orgasm itself. It's not an end in itself. Right. Mm.
0: And you mentioned aftercare and setting those parameters. Are mm. you so the parameters are you setting when you meet up or are you mm. messaging and like
1: Messaging usually. Yep.
0: So yeah. you know what before you're going into it. Yeah. And then aftercare, are you sitting down face to face having a chat or
1: <laughs> like a debrief?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Gatorade and a cigarette.
1: <laughs> so I, I, aftercare is really incredibly important. Aftercare is really the it's the time after play when you are coming back to reality, right? Particularly if you've had a really heavy scene, it can be really important because that's when, on your journey mentally back from that place, you're going to see your shadow selves. As you come back right so whilst you're in headspace and you're the be all and/or grand lord bar of hell um, you have to revisit that on the way back and sometimes that can be incredibly jarring you can get a lot of internal dialogue like you know what's wrong with me uh, why do I like these things who am I that I want this stuff done or and on the top side it can be like well what does it mean that I do these things and that I enjoy these things like what's wrong with me
0: so you guys chatting it out sort of letting those mental demons out Mm. with each other and then Mm -hmm. before you leave
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it doesn't even have to be talked about either it can just be a shared space that you just sort of come down to and you just sort of sometimes people go non-verbal they don't want to talk Um, i tend to make a nest in my living room i take all the cushions and stuff from the house and I chuck it all on the floor and cover it with dunas and chuck all the stuffies in there and Put on Netflix and okay. I used to say Disney, but then like my current subbie, she watches horror movies. So I got, I got to come down to like Nightmare on Elm Street, which is jarring. Yeah, But I tried, you know, I tried the anime and uh, not having it.
0: So you've currently got, it's called a dynamic, isn't it? Yes. With a yes, sub. Yes. Can you have multiple subs on the go? Or yes. You, yep. Can you have a relationship? Have you ever dated someone while also having a dynamic on the side?
1: I used to date people before I was fully involved in the kink scene, Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's a a slight difference between a relationship and a dynamic, and and I ask this of people to sort of get them to think about it. I don't like to use the word relationship because it comes with preloaded social baggage. So if I say you're my girlfriend or I'm your boyfriend, it has these label baggage things that come with it assumptions expectations it has this kind of a predefined role with it right like okay cool i'll wait up for you till you get home or i'm gonna open the doors for you or whatever the heck it is right so when you use a different word like a dynamic you start fresh and you can put into that whatever it is that you want so yes you can have a relationship that is also a dynamic and a dynamic could lead into a relationship if you like um We just tend to be wary of those words. Mm. We want to use conscious words that are just sort of reframe it a little bit. Okay. Mm.
0: With the scene as well, I wanted to ask about the toys you use or apparatus, whatever we want to call them. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Apparatus.
0: What is the most underrated one? So, when you might do your workshops and people Mm. just had no idea there was a use for that, what are people. (laughs)
1: I think there's actually a whole category for that. We call them pervertibles. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, once you're in this world, going to Bunnings is never the same. (laughs) Like, you walk into Bunnings and you're like, man, even the signage, it's like whips, chains, hooks here. And you're like, hmm, someone's promising a good time. They're
0: just (laughs) like, in the next five years, going to have just BDM, SM in a lead light sign. Oh, I'm telling you. Down the Bunnings
1: aisle. (laughs) And some of the workers, when you go in there, they look at you and they're like, yeah, you're not a handyman. Oh. <laughs> like, and you're in there and you're like checking out chains and you've got like hooks and pulleys and things. And they're like, yeah, am not building a ladder, are you? <laughs> oh. So that can be fun. Yeah, so I think the best things that I like to use is just stuff that's around the house. Like I, I could find a dozen things in here to use on you in no in no time at all. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, that's for another day maybe. You think about that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is it a big scene in Perth? So how many like, people would you come into mm. Club Freak? Is it a growing community?
1: Uh, it's definitely growing. It has been for a, a while now. Club Freak, we get sort of 400, 500 people. Okay. It's a, it's a packed club. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a decent night out. Um They, say, they say there's something like 7,500 active kinksters on FetLife in WA. Okay. Mm. You wouldn't know it if you went to a lot of the private parties because everybody sort of hangs out in their own social circles. But, um, yeah, even private parties are sort of 100-plus people.
0: So what do you think draws people to this? Is it, you know, I guess, is normal sex just so boring? Is it just their life or their world? They need some more excitement?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there's an element of um, curiosity. I think it's a very curious thing for people um when we did sexpo in 2017 we had two and a half thousand people come through our stall in three days we had them lined up 140 people deep at the door just to get in we could only fit 65 so we had to turn away 50 60 people and we're doing a show every hour on the hour
0: what's the shows
1: uh bdsm 101 workshops uh and also something fun we call uh the wheel of doom
0: Ooh. Is it like Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes.
1: I mean, it's your misfortune. Okay. <laughs> so we have uh, like a stage and then we have like a chocolate wheel with all the different things that we have with us. There's like eight or ten different implements and we call for a volunteer and then we spin the wheel and whatever comes up, that's what we do. I and se- we make them all chant, Wheel of Doom, <laughs> Wheel of Doom.
0: <laughs> Are secretly, you asking for volunteers and everyone sort of acts shy but they all <laughs> want to be up there? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we are never short of volunteers. (laughs) There's someone usually right up front, pick
0: me, pick me. Okay. So if people are into it, do you suggest that they attend workshops to start Mm -hmm. with, um, go to these events and sort of get more information on it? Mm -hmm. What's the sort of way best to start their journey? Yeah.
1: Well, the the journey these days is a lot easier than what I had to go through, right? Um, So the first thing they should do is go to fetlife.com, set up a profile, um be that has to come with a warning right it is a dick pic shit storm on that site so okay. be aware um don't go putting up anything racy or saying hi i'm new and i don't know anyone your inbox will be flooded
0: okay so is be, that a, do they want like the i'm putting in, the, the virgin bgsm is that a thing like is that a um, hot ticket hot property
1: it is a little okay i have to say that there is like sub frenzy that's a that's a definite thing that happens uh, that's two ways. New subs also become quite frantic and they're like, I want to play with everyone. I want to do everything. Let's go let's go crazy.
0: Right.
1: Um, but unfortunately, the site got uh, the attention of a lot of essentially hetero male hunters that are thinking, oh, kinky chicks are easy or even kinky boys are easy, whatever you're, mm-hmm. you are into. It's easy because these people are so open. So you need to be, you know, put your um, – Dick pick filters on <laughs> quite strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, but that's the first place I would go because there's a lot of community groups on there. Okay. There are a number of community groups on Facebook as well, um, which are really, really good, very welcoming people. We also have um, a community dungeon in Perth now called Arcane, and they do regular Fridays and Saturday nights, and that is actually a community dungeon. So, um, there's no expectation that you're going to do anything, or play, or interact with anyone. But it is a place to go where there's experienced people and you can talk and chat and it's a lot less intense than, say, a Club Freak event. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can sort of just go there and just say, hi, I'm new, I don't know anyone, and they'll take you under the wing and you'll make friends in no time. Nice yes. In no time. In a- <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's it. And then, um, and then, yeah, come to a, a large event. Once you've got a few friends and you feel a bit more comfortable, come to one of the larger events to see sort of what's really going on and, and to get the really big vibe of what it what it can be. Mm.
0: Is is there an etiquette? So, like, if you go with someone to these events, Mm -hmm. is it you're meant to stay with them the night? If Mm. you then drop them and leave and go meet someone else, Mm -hmm. is that poor taste? Or are there no rules? It's just...
1: There are some rules. Um, uh, Let me get... How do I put this into a sort of a sequence? The first thing you want to do is make sure you dress accordingly, all right? None of these parties are regular kind of events, dress up. You really want to be wearing your... Pink wear or your black or your nice outfit, you want to look your best. Um, don't turn up in jeans and a t shirt, you won't get in. <laughs> not even to a house party, they'll throw you out. So, if you're going to a party with somebody, just check with them beforehand um, because essentially, if someone takes you to one of these parties, they're going to see, feel somewhat responsible for you. So, just to kind of ease their anxiety so they're not looking for you all night long, just let them know um, hey, look, I plan on going home with someone else or doing my own thing, just set that up beforehand. If you're going and you want to identify as a submissive, then you'd wear a collar with an open ring, right? You might have seen them, the goth kids kind of wear them for fashion, but in the fetish world, it's actually a signifier that you're identifying as a submissive. So that's one of the things that you can do to participate. Um, If you are with someone and you're not really open to meeting other people, you can put a padlock on it and then that tells people... I'm actively in a scene or in a dynamic with someone else and you should probably go and inquire with them before talking to me. Um, And then there's also a tag or like an owner's tag. So if you put an owner's tag with a padlock on a collar, you're probably going to be left alone pretty good. Um, But also the perception is going to be that you kind of know what you're doing because that's kind of like a few steps up the ladder.
0: And I saw on your website there's play parties and public parties. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between those?
1: So a play party will be held at a dungeon um, or a private residence, and the purpose of the party is play. Mm -hmm. So you're going there for play. So what that means is that you're going to see some of the more hardcore things. You will be seeing people getting beaten and flogged, possibly blood play, possibly piercings and needles and things. Um, So just check with the host before you go, um, just to make sure that it's within your comfort zone. Um, when you get to those parties, always check in with the host so that they know that you're there. uh, And if there's any issue that you have, you know who to go to. So those are kind of basic safety ideas that you've got. There'll always be a dungeon monitor, a DM, so always go and check in with that person as well.
0: Is that like the security guard?
1: They're kind of the person in charge of the play. They're really there for the safety of the players, just to make sure that if there's a scene going on, they're not getting interrupted, people aren't walking into anywhere where they're going to get hit with something. So, yeah, they're kind of the... Person in charge. Mm. Yeah. So always check in with them. Um, and if they have any rules for the night that's they're being asked to enforce, they'll tell you and they'll give you the rundown, right? They'll tell you where the toilets are and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of their role, right?
0: First aid kit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> Set your limits. Set your limits. Yeah. So, so at, a, at a public event like a Club Freak or Carnal Society or, or any of the other ones, um, you're probably not going to get to meet the host. Uh, just because it's so busy, Um, the play areas will be in designated areas and the play areas will always have a DM. So if you want to go play, you can go check in with them, book a time, and it's a bit more formal than that, like a a, a private party. Okay. But the emphasis on the public events is is, it's a social event.
0: Yeah. Mm. These workshops you have as well, are you seeing mainly single people coming or Mm -hmm. couples?
1: It's 50-50, like literally down the line, Yeah
0: have What happens when you've got one person who is just not into it? They've done a whole series of your workshops, mm. and by the end they're just like, "I'm not into this." Mm. How does that relationship end up unfolding?
1: So if one's kinky and the other one isn't, yeah, uh, that can be pretty challenging. Um, do
0: they inevitably break up, or do you mm. yeah, Have you seen I, it actually succeed?
1: I have, but it was through a lot of open communication, yes. The ideal situation is always that the, the, if you're going to get into BDSM, you have to have trust. You have to have communication. And it's not a, a, something that is like a nice to have. It's imperative. You have to have trust between you, you and your partner. You have to have open communication because when you start talking about things like, I need to go see someone else to get what I need from my BDSM, jealousy is going to hit that in a heartbeat and it's going to be strong because it challenges the sanctity of that two-person relationship.
0: So that happens, someone can be in a relationship and they've got a a dynamic on the side. Yes. Okay.
1: And it does work. Um, It really is up to the couple to make sure that their relationship is secure. Um, And if there's anything that comes up, and it will, that you've got open communication to to go back on.
0: Mm. Mm. What about, does the same happen with doms and subs? So Mm. we touched on it before that you sort of are working things out, but Mm. is there ever a situation where... They've met up and they're just not into the same kinks. Do you just yes. make it work or are you just part ways?
1: Typically, it tends to be... Um, I'll talk about myself because uh, it's a bit rough for me to talk about other people's dynamics. But, in, for example, in mine, when I met my current submissive, I said to her straight up front, I said, I'm not monogamous and I'm not going to be. So your role with me will be my primary and that position in my life with me is sacred. No one's going to come along and knock you out of your spot. But if I want to play with other people, I'm going to. And if I feel like bringing them home, I'll do that too. Or if I want to play with them at their place, then I'm going to do that too. You need to know that up front. You need to be okay with it. And you need to understand that that's the way our world is going to go. So setting expectations up front with someone before you get into anything is going to be a big, big help. Uh, what tends to happen in the kink community is that it tends to be a lot more fluid than the vanilla world. So you might have two or three partners. One stays while the others kind of come and go. Okay. It tends to be the way it is.
0: So am I rude in saying you're a dom?
1: No, not rude.
0: Okay, so you're a dom. Mm. Am I stereotyping here, but my perception of like a sub is someone who's maybe shy, introverted, Mm. quiet. Is that totally not true?
1: Totally not true. Okay.
0: Because yourself, you're quite brawn, Mm. deep voice, Mm. big guy. So Mm. I'm like, oh, of course he's a dom. Mm. But are they skinny... Totally. Yep, okay.
1: Totally. (laughs) If there's anywhere in the world where all of this stuff's going to get thrown on its head, it's in the kink world. And you really, although I am very stereotypical, I'm like the white cis male hetero, you know, I'm I'm all of that stuff. Uh, But I love it, so it's totally cool with me. But some of the most intense emissives I've ever had to play with have been total alpha type females. Life of the party, centre of attention in the room, total high-powered job, absolute go-getter, total achiever. But when they want to come and play with me, switches off and we go to the other side. Right. And that is the same as well for um, male submissives a lot, which you see this quite a lot. There's a lot of the male subbies we've got coming through are like lawyers, they're politicians, they're doctors. Uh, it's because in, that, in the real world, in the straight world, they've got so much responsibility. And how do you balance that? The way you balance that is to go to the other world.
0: So this is like an outlet.
1: Mm, Totally. Don't get me started on adult baby diapers and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Not my personal thing. Not shaming, but just it's a real thing because it helps to, anything that helps to take that pressure away is a great thing. Mm. And it can be really, really balancing for people.
0: I'm interested to see, hear the politicians, but we probably shouldn't mention them. Yeah. Um, It sounds like, just speaking to you, there's a lot of rules and there's, you know, etiquette and there's a way of doing this. And it seems like it's all planned out so everyone's, safe like Mm, we've said mm. and just on the same page
1: Mm.
0: with terms of safe words
1: Mm.
0: one of the other things i read on your with your workshops is you're telling people it's not a failure if you're using the safe word absolutely so if that's put into play do you then revisit that act or Mm. is it just totally abandoned
1: so when a safe word gets called in a scene um it's an instant stop So whatever's happening, if that person's tied up in ropes, you chop the ropes, you get them down, you get them into a safe space, into that aftercare space, uh, and you pay attention and you wait, because it might take a while before that person comes, even verbal, before they can even talk. Um, So it's really a safety aspect. So at that point, it's like calling an ambulance, like that's an EMT moment. Um, So we definitely don't muck around with them, but you can hear some pretty weird ones. So we joke about it because it's funny when someone says, hey, my safe word is pineapple. And there's always someone that says, my safe word is pineapple. I'm like, in what context are you going to come up with that word, right? But I mean, like, so words like, no, don't, stop, I hate it, fuck you, you know. uh, That's not a safe word because you're going to be saying that. (laughs) <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and that's kind of <laughs> part of the fun, right? Like, you're an evil man and I hate your guts. And I'm like, yes, I am.
0: So what are some – have you got any good safe words uh, from the past?
1: So funny ones?
0: Just, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, grenade. Okay. I heard was pretty – I thought, grenade. Hey, that's pretty effective, yeah. I think, at that point. It's like, all stations stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but it's really about, you know, what's a word that you're not going to use in a context of – Pain or anguish or suffering, like right? not not a reflex word, so that it cuts through for the mind of the top who could be way off in top uh, space, okay. right? Um, and it has to be pre-arranged so that, that top, the the dominant can put that in their head. They go, okay, I'm aware of that word. Right. They will listen for it, right? So yeah, so things like stop, no, don't, any of the swear words, cast words, don't use that. But we use um, green, yellow, and red. Ah,
0: so yeah. red
1: is stop clearly yellow is check in with me something's not quite right and green is go okay yeah so
0: so you're that out of your head sometimes mm. in a scene mm. you don't even know what day it is or what's really got like you might miss could you miss the safe word accidentally no okay
1: uh, you know I don't know of anyone that has but I guess it's technically possible but it's such a rarefied headspace that it's part of it becomes part of what you're doing uh, having said so and I don't want to confuse the issue but Um, there are people that play by uh, with suspending safe words okay so there's another modality called RAC which is uh, risk aware consensual kink so what they're saying is that I'm aware of the risks before we go in so I'm suspending the need for a safe word I'm prepared to trust you no matter what wow so uh, that can be a modality, right? So, And that would be discussed up front. You're not going to get thrown into a rack play scene without someone saying something.
0: Did you completely laugh at Fifty Shades of Grey, the yeah. movie? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it or I haven't read the books, but what I heard, it wasn't great. It
1: but wasn't great. compared
0: to what I'm hearing, I can't imagine yeah. it was anywhere like that. So,
1: No, but again, it's, it's you know, it's porn, it's fantasy, you know. And it, it's, it's not a bad fantasy. I mean, he's rich, he's got a sports cars and a fancy joint. And if you see the movie, he's got, like, the dungeon of all dungeons like it's immaculate okay. it's a beautiful space but um it has to be said that it's fantasy and you need to keep that in mind it doesn't play out in reality there were some things in there that we, that people should just kind of like um be aware of in the fact that she didn't sign the contract so anything that happened after that was actually non-consensual okay um and if she signs the contract under duress that's also non-consent right
0: yeah OTK Daddy, this has been so enlightening. It's a whole other world that <laughs> I didn't even know existed. And <laughs> now I hope people listening know a little bit more about it. Yeah. Um, and if they are interested, they know where to go.
1: Yeah, come find me at Club Freak. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, you can go to the website clubfreak.com.au. Um, we have whatever we are up to. Anytime we list our parties or anything, any events that we're attending uh, or workshops, anything, we always put it up there.
0: I'm going to list mm. your website as well. And also, you can check out Club Freak on Facebook, guys. Yep. We'll uh, see you next time. Anytime. See you guys. It'll only cost you 20 minutes. What? Where do we go from here? I know. Everyone's going to take away something different from that. But I hope you really enjoyed it, learned something new, as I hope you do each week. And if you're enjoying the Teach Me in 20 podcast, make sure you rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every review you make helps people find the Teach Me in 20 podcast. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you find your podcasts so you can keep learning something new each week with me. So bye for now. See you next week. Teach Me in 20.
1: Teach Me in 20.